Next in our assessment series, we're going to talk about the skin. So the skin is the largest organ in the body. It helps to protect us from the external environment and prevents penetration from foreign objects. Um, it gives us perception about the world um, and also helps with temperature regulation and body heat adjustment. The structures of the skin include the epidermis, dermis, subcutaneous tissue, and then skin appendages can include hair and nails. So a skin assessment can tell us about local problems such as um, skin irritation like poison ivy or hives um, or a cut or a laceration. It also can tell us about systemic problems such as jaundice, which is a yellowing of the skin from too much bilirubin in the blood, indicative of liver issues. Um, it also can tell us about a patient's general health, hygiene, and nutrition habits as well. To perform a good skin assessment, you'll want to make sure that you have good, adequate lighting, uh, protect the patient's privacy, um, assess exposed and unexposed areas, meaning we have to look at their bottom. Um, that's a, an area that can be very easily uh, impaired depending on what disease processes the patient has. So we always need to make sure that we're doing a very thorough skin assessment. And then also collect any subject subjective data from the patient. Um, are they Do they have a history of rashes, lesions, or itching? Do they have any... Um, bruising? Do they bruise very easily? Um, when they're exposed to the sun, do they easily burn? Um, do they Have they noticed any changes in color, shape, size of a mole? Um, are they currently undergoing any chemo or radiation? Because that can uh, have a big impact on the skin as well. Do they have um, regular exposure to chemicals? Or do they live in an area where they get um, bug bites? a lot like mosquito bites because that can um, you know lead to a diagnosis of potential West Nile virus so it, it does help to ask these questions even though they seem kind of out of the blue and silly so for a skin assessment we're going to use our assessment tools of inspecting and palpating we're going to note the color temperature moisture texture, vascularity, any lesions or distinguishing marks, and then assess for turgor and edema as well. So distinguishing marks can include any tattoos or scarring as well. Here I have an introduction to the Braden Risk Assessment Scale for you. Um, this is a scale that we use to determine how at risk a patient is for developing a pressure ulcer. Uh, more of this to come in your skin and wound lecture, but i um, introducing this to you here because it does uh, go along with the skin assessment. This is usually done at least once a shift for every patient uh, in the hospital setting. So the first category we're going to assess is color for skin assessment. So the expected findings would be that the skin is a uniform color. However, this varies according to age, culture, and ethnicity, but should be fairly uniform. And then mucous membranes, meaning the inside of the mouth, uh, mostly, uh, and the conjunctiva of the eyes um, are pink and moist. Uh, abnormal findings would include pallor, uh, this is paleness due to inadequate circulating blood or hemoglobin. 
Um, if you have a darker skinned patient, um, the equivalent of pallor could, have, could be like that patient looks a little ashen or gray. Uh, jaundice, we talked about a little bit before. Um, that is a yellow color resulting from liver or gallbladder disease uh, and some types of anemia. Um, it's usually first seen in the sclera of the eyes, then in the skin. Um, and then again, if you have a darker skinned patient, make sure that you're looking at the eyes and then the palms of the hands or the soles of the feet. That is, um, those are the areas that are most going to show that jaundice color in your darker skinned patients. Uh, cyanosis is another abnormal finding. That's the bluish gray uh, tint uh, due to inadequate oxygenation. Um, it's usually around the lips or in the nail beds. And then finally, erythema. That's redness of the skin more often seen on the face and neck. Um, this can include sunburns, inflammation, uh, be due to a fever or certain types of trauma or allergic reactions as well. So these are some visual depictions of cyanosis and jaundice for your reference. Uh, the next aspect we're going to talk about with skin assessment is temperature. Um, so when we assess a patient's skin temperature, we're going to do that with the dorsum of the hand or the backside of the hand. You're always going to compare right and left. This goes for most uh, assessments with extremities having to, having to deal with um, two of something, making sure that you're comparing the right versus the left side. Uh, and then also comparing the temperature of the hands and the feet. Um, the patient should be warm, but also consistent with the temperature in the room and then the activity level that they have been um, completing. So um, remember that our temperature is, you know, 98.6 degrees, so we're around 100 degrees. So we should still feel warm in, you know, a 75 degree room. Uh, but if your patient feels extremely warm or cold, make sure that you validate your data and that you take their temperature. The next aspect to assess is skin moisture. Uh, normally skin is warm and dry, um, so excessive moisture on the skin could be indicative of hyperthermia, that means a fever, uh, anxiety or overactive thyroid, or that it's, oh what is it outside right now, 108 degrees outside right now. And then um, dry skin could be a sign of dehydration or hypothyroidism. So next you want to assess the skin for vascularity, uh, meaning that you want to inspect the patient for any signs of bleeding or bruising, uh, that this may indicate uh, systemic problems with um, the cardiovascular system. Um, the liver actually has a lot to do with coagulation factors. Um, and then hematologic, meaning, um, you know, if your patient has a low platelet count, that can make them um, bruise very easily or bleed very easily. So um, very important to assess for these um, aspects of the skin as well. Another thing we assess for are lesions on the skin. Um, this can include moles and freckles, birthmarks, skin tags, or uh, striae, which are stretch marks. Um, so if your patient has a lot of moles, um, you just want to make sure that they are keeping an eye on them or they're seeing a dermatologist. Um, because moles can 
evolve very quickly and that can be uh, indicative of skin cancer. Another thing we look for with skin assessment is turgor. This is the degree of the skin's resistant to deformation, so the fullness or elasticity of the skin. Um, skin turgor is considered normal when the fold returns to its usual shape when released. When the patient is dehydrated, the skin's elasticity is decreased and the skin fold returns slowly. Decreased skin turgor may be a normal finding in older adults as a result of decreased elasticity and thinning of the dermis as a person ages. So how we test skin turgor is that we kind of, um, we kind of pinch the skin and kind of make it fold up a little bit and then see how long it takes um, for that piece of skin to go back to its normal position. We don't hurt the patient, we don't actually pinch them, but we do take the that top part of the dermis and, and kind of fold it up and then look to see how long it takes to go back into position. So normal turgor is going to be that it snaps back into position very quickly and then tenting um, means that it's going to stay there. The little fold is going to stay there for a while um, before it goes back to normal. And this can be a sign of dehydration and like I said, maybe uh, normal in older adults due to decreased elasticity of the skin. So here's a visual representation of uh, what we're talking about with skin turgor. And this also may be checked on the clavicle or the sternum, but the back of the hand is the most common place. Another thing that we assess uh, with the skin is edema. This also goes uh, with your cardiac assessment as well but it's technically of the skin, so you can kind of put it in either place, but um, we'll talk more about it in uh, cardiovascular as well. So uh, edema is swelling caused by excessive amounts of fluid in the tissue. And then pitting can either be, excuse me, edema can either be pitting or non-pitting or dependent. So pitting, there's a, a scale for pitting edema on the bottom part of this slide. Um, and then that's kind of how we grade how how intense the edema is. So plus one pitting edema is a rapid return to this uh, of the skin to its normal position. Uh, plus two is this uh, skin returns in 10 to 15 seconds. Plus three, the skin returns in one to two minutes and the area appears very swollen. And then plus four pitting edema is the skin returns in two to three minutes and is grossly edematous, meaning it's it's very um, swollen. And this skin can also be taut because it's being pulled from all that excess fluid that's in the in the um, tissue surrounding it, and and shiny as well. And sometimes if the edema is really bad, um, that fluid can actually leak out of the skin. And then here's that visual representation of pitting edema. So you can see that you kind of just poke your finger, you know, lightly into the patient's skin and see if it depresses. Because if your patient's very squishy, then that means that they have that pitting edema. And this is the scale of, you know, how we would chart or document how bad that pitting edema is or to what grade that pitting edema is. All right, next we're going to talk about nails since they are an appendage of the skin. 
Um, healthy nail, be- nail beds are level, firm, and similar to skin color with an angle of 160 degrees. Uh, older nails uh, can grow more slowly, become thicker, and tend to split. So that's not necessarily an abnormal finding that these things might happen um, as patients grow older. That might be an expected finding. Um, so with nails, we in the nail category, we do the assessment of the capillary refill. So this is also another cardiac assessment that is in the um, the skin section, but they, they can be in both. It's usually in the cardiac section. Uh, however, it is on the fingertips, so it can be in either place. So this measures the amount of blood flow to the tissues. So you can see how it would be cardiovascular. Um, so normal is less than three seconds. So what you can do is press on the nail and release. As pressure is applied to the nail bed, it turns white, indicating that the blood has been forced from the tissue. This is called blanching. Once the tissue has blanched, pressure is then removed. So as you as you press on the nail bed and make it go white, make it blanch, then you take the pressure off. So then you need to measure the time it takes for the blood to return to the tissue, uh, indicated by a pink color returning to the nail. Um, and then cold conditions may alter the findings, but normal is less than three seconds, and over three seconds is an abnormal finding. Clubbing is another abnormal finding of the nail beds. Um, This is the bulging of the last part of the finger with curved convex nails related to reduced oxygen in the blood. This is associated with various heart and lung conditions. And then more abnormal nail findings. Uh, White spots may indicate zinc deficiency and then spoon-shaped nails can indicate iron deficiency. Now these are just assessment findings. We would never just prescribe these things based on uh, someone's nails. Uh, Usually we would do some labs that would correlate along with that, but these are, um, you know, good assessment techniques that we've, as a profession, have cultivated over the years to, um, you know, help lead us in the right direction when we are doing our assessment. So make sure that you review this um, skin video and then come to the virtual uh, lecture Q&A with any questions that you have. Thank you!